You're listening to the MC Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from the campus of Mississippi College in Clinton, Mississippi. It happened. I, I participated. You missed Dungeons and Dragons. No. Oh, yeah. Wait, it you guys played Dungeons and Dragons? Yep, we really did. I, I... I told them I would play once to see if it was worth it. Who all play? Wait, wait, wait. Next time this happens, text me. Okay, go ahead. Okay, do you want to play or do you want to watch? Because um, Leah just watched the whole time I and laughed play. at us. Really? Yes. Oh my gosh, we need another person. It Perfect. actually was fun, I'll admit. It was actually fun. Who all was it? Me, Jamie, Will, and Jordan. We invited Doovy, but he had to do Find Me Alpha stuff. And Jordan said more. Uh, yeah, you probably know him. Will uh, who? Pike, it's Jamie's brother. Oh. Uh, Wait. Leah just sat and laughed at you. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. It was actually really fun. Like, I was shockingly surprised at how enjoyable it was. And we only did it for like an hour and a half. So I don't... Maybe we did it wrong, but... It was surprisingly enjoyable. Gotta admit. I think some of those games last like forever, don't they? So the reason they can last forever is like, we only did like, apparently like... We did half of a chapter. We just got to a stopping point. We were like, this works for us. Because if you want to sit there and play like through a whole game in one sitting, apparently it takes hours, days. But we were like, none of us really want to be that person or get that into it. So we were like, we'll play for an hour and a half to two hours, maybe once, twice a month. That's it. So in other words, you're not going to start like going to like, gaming stores wearing and, cloaks. and wearing no. cloaks and Jordan wore cloak sitting at the gaming stores <laughs> for like hours cloak, at a time no no I have no intention of doing that I played my little elf I was a wizard I, had, I set people on fire it was great well that's terrible it was surprisingly fun okay I'll remember that next Michael time Michael was trying fun. to tell me something about there's a game master Dungeon Master. That was, not surprisingly, Jamie. <laughs> well, Michael informed I, me that if we ever play, I'm going to become that very quickly. So you have to be set to be it at the beginning. You can't just in the middle of the game decide that you're the Dungeon, the dungeon master. master. If you want to start your own game and be the Dungeon Master or something, if you decide you like it, you then can't overthrow go for the it. Government. But you, you can't, the Dungeon Master, because like, the way it works is like you, have, you write the Dungeon Master writes out kind of the game before the game begins like you can it's kind of like one of those books you read where like you make the choice as to which path you take yeah like a wrinkle in time well a wrinkle in time doesn't do that that's just a book you read like one of those murder mysteries no i thought a wrinkle in time you could choose what chapter you went to a wrinkle in time you just read it and it's a great book have you not read it wait 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 Madeline Langley. No, 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 I need to back this up. Wrinkle in Time. Wrinkle in Time you is a book where it. you choose what chapter you go to no. at the end of every chapter, isn't it? No, it's not. You just read through it. Oh, this Are you me. sure? With x and all Do we want to Google this? Yes. Yeah. I know. Oh, I have read this book, like, I every year that, of okay, my life. So once. He I, still doesn't I, believe I, I definitely read Wrinkle in Time, like, in my childhood. Well, you don't and remember. And my you memory messed. of it is that... 
that was the book that like went to different chapters no. that I remember reading in my childhood. A Wrinkle in Time, a science fantasy novel. It doesn't say anything about pick your ending. It's just a book. It's Man. actually it's actually like a part of a series. Well, not a series, a universe. The characters recur. I, that's like totally mind-boggling to me. Well, it's a good book. <clears throat> People should read that book. Yeah. So, we have a guest host this mm. week, everybody. Yeah. Good morning. That's Phoebe. Hello. We have a guest host. What's up, homies? Michael had Yay, to go do things yeah. that we're not going to mention on the podcast. That makes it sound really wrong. That, I, don't I don't even know. know what he's going to do, but I can't imagine it's as weird as it now sounds. No, it's not. It's It's not. It's just... Um, one like sort of so our only sort of rule that I'm gonna always abide us by. I mean, like other than the fact that we're not gonna curse, is that we're not gonna talk about anything political uh, ever. Oh, and and Michael's okay. activity. Oh, I know where he's at. Michael's activity does me. it. It could be perceived in a way as a political activity. Oh, okay. And so because of that, we're not gonna talk about it. Sounds Beyond like saying that Michael's not here, Michael's and then Phoebe here. is. Yay. I am not Michael. I am nothing like Michael. That is also true. It would be a nice <laughs> so true. change of voice. Literally, because my voice is different and, like, figuratively. It is, in fact, true. <laughs> Phoebe, is there anything you want to tell us about yourself? Um, no. Like, Sarah, Sarah's whole tagline mm. on the podcast is that Sarah doesn't like being put on the spot. I really don't. Oh. Sometimes if you put me on this, it's bad. If you want to, like, get me to tell you something, just put me on the spot, and I'll just say things that I really probably didn't intend to say. Oh, I have something I can tell you about myself. Every time someone asks me to tell them something about myself, I can never think of anything. That's me! Yeah. Okay. Any other time, like, if I'm just, I don't know, laying I in bed at night. I can tell you lots of stuff. And your mind is racing and you're trying to calm down, I can think of 20 things. Hey, no one knows that about me. But right now, blank, nothing. Good. So when we do takeaways this week, it should be really great. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. Man, I meant to come up with one before I... Every week. Every week. Can I take notes? Or, I'm going to take notes. Hey, speaking of every week, last oh, week we forgot... Okay. No, definitely don't take notes. Can, you can really say... I think one time I said something about just like... When the battery in your smoke detector dies, just change it. Okay, so me and Sarah are roommates. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, Phoebe and Sarah are currently roommates. They have a, a lovely house that they are currently... No, temporary house. Temporary. And We're not going to get into that. We're just... Ah. Anyway, so they, but they they are roommates. We know the, the smoke detector junk. Right. It's just... Yep. Right. Yep. Oh, they heard that story. It's over now. Phoebe is also a uh, master's student uh, here at MC, like Sarah and Michael, doing her master's in voice, Sucks. performance, and ped. I'm graduating. And She's Phoebe's actually us. finishing in December. Ah. So we're super happy to have her on the podcast. Yeah. Maybe next time she's on, she might be an alum or something like that. Oh my gosh, she'll be so official. Awesome. And scared. <laughs> you know, it is a scary thing, I think. We were actually just talking about the current state of the singing world for Who? aspiring young artists. When I said we, I'm sorry. Yeah, good, good, good question, Sarah. I, I have no idea who who is. I was I was talking about my wife and I. Who, um, if you, for those of you, if we've not talked about it on the podcast, my wife is also a singing teacher, uh, professional. She speaks the intro. She is the voiceover on the theme song. That is correct. Uh, she's also currently our 
interim director of opera and musical mm-hmm. theater. But we were just sort of bemoaning the the state of young artist programs and the difficulties and challenges that are faced young artists in the United States um, and Europe uh, comparing sort of every time this conversation usually comes up I think with people our age it it ends up sort of being this conversation of man I, I don't know that we would have had the opportunities that we had if we were trying to get them now and I don't know that that's true I also just consider like how maybe we're just aware that there are more singers maybe there were always this many singers vying for young artist program spots um my well, issue is they're so expensive oh well we're talking we're talking about pay to sing uh, yes they're outlandishly they're expensive i mean you're still like even if it's a relatively like a tuition free program you still gotta pay for a plane ticket a lot of times you still have to pay for somewhere to stay to live for like three four weeks maybe more and you're not working yeah i yeah. well, the other challenge. thing it makes it difficult like i would you know love to get maybe a summer job but i can't do that if i'm gonna be gone for three weeks nobody wants to hire me right uh one of the things that led us to that, are, are you guys familiar with the Wolf Trap Arialists? Yes, I love them. Okay, oh. so so Wolf Trap is sort of like the most prestigious yeah. young artist program in the United States in the sense that at, at Wolf Trap, if you compare it to Santa Fe, let's say, you are not just a chorus person or and singing maybe maybe small roles or and covering lead roles and small roles um the difference at wolf trap is you are actually hired to be a principal artist even though it's considered sort of a young artist development program mm-hmm. um and one of the things that their artistic staff puts together i'm not sure if if miss whitman does it herself or if if someone else puts it together but uh, they put together a database of frequency of arias listed and offered of all their auditions. Yeah, that makes me so happy. I don't know. I just, I just love that there's a list and you can just look and you can see how often. So do you want to, since you're both right? sopranos, do you want to look at the soprano list for, for oh, yeah. 2018 okay. auditions? And I know, I know what tops it every year, oh. every single year. And what is that? Oh, As it has again. And, yeah. And having just sung. Uh, speaking of which, I, I didn't get to this. I want to get to this list, but you were both in Magic Flute last weekend. Yes. Woo-hoo. It's. Over. Magic Thank Flute you. has concluded. Fantastic. We're free. Uh, anyway, it is interesting that Akikfus is number one, again, on percent percentage of singers offering in their four aria package, the winner at 64%. Oh, 16.3%. It was 44 times. I don't know. Uh, it was 44 times, which was 16.3% of auditions were opened, started, of sopranos. All sopranos. So this includes every Fach, or voice type, if you would, uh, of soprano, d- you know, dif- differentiation of soprano. Achifils is definitely the winner 
by almost 5%. The next most offered at 32 times, or 11.9%, was Jedi, Mikaela's aria from Carmen. Uh, let me see if I can see like any of the other rep that you guys, face. either of you, sing. I have not. Viviani's on there. Uh, are you singing No Word from Tom yet? Yeah. You should. Yeah. Um, let me see. I'm looking for one of your arias, Phoebe. Uh, Adieu, Notre Petite Table is in the right in the outside of the top ten at five point two percent, with twelve somewhere between twelve and nineteen offerings. And this is just the number of times it was performed, not like who succeeded with what aria. Correct. Okay, this is successful. the first. Pers- well, I mean, in a way, if you can think about it this way, it's it is. You're correct, but you can also think about it that the people who are getting granted auditions for Wolf Trap uh, are, are also already successful. are uh, of a high level. <laughs> yeah. uh, one of my former students who's out doing the Young Artist Circuit this year. Um, he was very happy just to get an audition for Marilla, oh, but he didn't get it granted an audition for Santa Fe. Can you put like, I got an audition for this <laughs> on your resume? Is Unfortunately, that kind of, wouldn't no. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> no. Um, if you're an alternate, it, like if you are an alternate for the program, I think that is a reasonable thing maybe to consider putting on. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was them saying, hey... If somebody else drops their spot, you are one you, away. You're our person. But does it? So does it really matter? Like if you sing the same song as forty-four other people, or is it better to not? That's a very fine question. I think the answer is you need to make sure when you're doing opera auditions that. I think there's a couple things. I was the undergrads were actually asking me about this yesterday. I think that. One thing is for sure, and that is that you don't want to be offering a lot of things, one, that are not well-known, mm-hmm. and two, that are sort of out of fashion. Uh, let me see. Is your sweet Titania anywhere even on this list? Did anybody offer it? Did any coloratura even offer it? I don't see it. No, it, I don't even... Wait, there was an... Oh, it is. Okay. So years and years ago, Je Suis Titania was offered two to three times. Years and years ago, I think that aria would have been offered a lot. Now, now when I say years and years, I'm talking like maybe fifty. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's it's an it's a or Bel Raggio Lusinghiere was also only offered two to three times uh, of Rossini from Semiramide. I think that both of those would have been offered a lot more many years ago because these things sort of go in cycles and I think the important thing to this list is that it gives you as a aspiring young artist the information of this is what people are coming in with these are the sort of things that are in fashion and so I think the lesson we could take away from that is Four of your, or let's say, so it's a four aria package for them. At least three of them should be things that are in fashion, I think. And then if you have something more esoteric, um, then go ahead and offer it as a fourth option. But I, I think, I don't think generally, I mean, here's one thing. If there's an aria, if, if, if whatever your best aria is, 
is what you should audition with. Okay. That's a that's a general opinion of mine, purely opinion, no science here. But whatever your best aria is, that's what you should audition. If it shows you the best, if it fits your voice, your personality, your acting prowess, your age, your look, and it and it shows your whole package, that is what you should open up an audition with, whether that aria is in vogue or not. Um, but I do think that a high percentage of your package needs to be things that that a panel will recognize. Now, I mean, I say that most of these panels are filled with people who really know what they're doing and they know opera. But at the same time, there are, like, if you walk in with an aria from La Dama Blanche by Boileau, not everybody's going to know that. I don't even know. You didn't even know Boileau was a composer, did you? Not even, like, a little. Right. I'm sure he's very important, though. Not, not really. Yeah. But, but he is a person who wrote operas. Well, like Phoebe, with one of the ones that you've sung, you've sung the Martianer. Don't walk in with Martianer that you can't even find the original copy of. But I would say that having it on your package is not a bad thing, because as a lyric soprano, finding a German aria maybe that's not Pamina can be a challenge. Hey, that's Sarah. And Pamina, Pamina sort of, I think, crosses some voice types as well, which makes it a little bit difficult uh, or advantageous, depending. Um, but uh, anyway, it was just very interesting. Their top ten on the Sopranos, or top few, were uh, the were the Akifus Jadi from Carmen, uh, the Jewel Song from Faust. I'm sort of surprised to see that up there, actually. Uh, Ain't It a Pretty Night, which I sort of can't believe is still up there. Caro Nome, not surprising. Come Scolio, totally not surprising. Embroidery, not surprising. Juve Vivre, not surprising. No word from Tom, not surprising. And Quando, interestingly enough. I uh, think people just love that song. Was, oh. was the next one. Oh, wait. Okay, there I closed it out. Hold on, I want to see the... Um, I also think that... This list provides voice teachers who are teaching, like aspiring young artists. It provides the voice teachers with good information who, you know, maybe maybe they've been in the academy for a while and they've not been out performing. It allows them to see what young artists are currently doing. Yeah. Which is also, I think, a good point. Even if they're a, a working artist, even a working artist who's also teaching, it's hard to keep up with what young artists are doing versus what young artists did when you were a thing, when you were a young artist. Yeah. You know, like um, when I was doing the young artist circuit, nobody put those little thumbnails on your headshot. Now that oh, yeah. on, your, on your on your resume, and apparently now that's like a must do. Like. I gotta figure out how to do that because I'm gonna be real. I'm not sure. You you can just edit the picture. You say that like I know how to do that. I can help you. Thank computer you. skills. Well, you know that's an interesting t- thing actually. My computer skills are. Computer skills in today's age matter. Yeah. And 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 I think that's very uh, far reaching because I think that also then encompasses social media and your website and et cetera et cetera et cetera et cetera et cetera. Um. And knowing how to do all that stuff, I think, matters in 2017. I don't know that it mattered in 1997, but... I don't know, because now you can just 
pay someone to do it for you. Most things. If you well, have most to. most stuff, I mean, I can probably yes. Google how do I put exactly. a thumbnail on a exactly. document, but ugh, it's effort. So much effort. Typing. Typing, and then I have to do what it says. Effort. I'm just interested. I wanted to take a quick look at those mezzo arias. So the top mezzo things. And still, goodness gracious. Okay, so Smanier was number one from Cozy. Okay. Totally believable. And composer uh, from Ariadne, totally number two. Not surprising at all. But I'm still surprised to see Must the Winter Come So Soon still that high as number yeah. three. Well, I heard like five people this summer sing that. Have we not? There are better English arias. Okay, I'm glad to see this journey as number five, the the dead man aria. I'm glad to see that because I just... I, 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 don't, don't get me wrong. Man, I mean, I'm like, a big fan of Vanessa, but... Heggy? Mm-hmm. Dead man, like, is that... Yeah, Hagee, yeah. Hagee? Very interesting. But I will say, one of the things the mezzo list, Smanje, Sein Wiedergut, Must the Winter, Café de Blanche, This Journey, Va laisser couler mes larmes from uh, Werther, and then Vie du Varst um, next. It, it does seem to me that, that that is showing you a trend that we're seeing with mezzos, that it's geared toward lyric mezzos. So much of that is lyric mezzo rep. I wonder uh, if the reason you see the, you know, you're saying you're surprised to see Must the Winter still so high, and then also, uh, oh gosh, what was the other one? And the Pretty Night. Those are both English, right. and I feel like so often we bemoan, oh, it's so hard to find an English aria for my voice, and oh, it's because we think don't. think that's true. You really like English opera, though. I think oh, a lot of people's true. tastes tend to to go towards. Italian or French, like I think we just don't spend as much time performing or listening to English operas, and so we're not as familiar with English arias in the repertoire. And so you have these same ones that people know, like they don't hear it a ton, yes. so it's still fresh for them. But then also, like the first English air quotes aria that I thought of in my head was the out the the one from A Hand of Bridge, which is not wow. an aria. The uh, alto that. one, which is not an aria. Oh, you see what I mean? Like Something we're just about a hat. We're not a super familiar feathers. with English arias. Just a thought. You didn't think of Monica? No, I was like, I was thinking of like a, a mezzo. Oh, thing. mezzo. No, I no, think no, there's no. such I'd like a, to like, buy a hat of peacock that. feathers. Mm-hmm. That's all it does. That's all she says. I feel like Monica's waltz is kind of like a taboo. I didn't realize that people taboo. just didn't love or that. I don't know. I didn't realize people had such strong feelings concerning that aria. I think people generally have strong feelings towards Minotti. Yeah. They either really love Minotti or they sort of don't. Like Bacon. Well, Ernst Bacon, like not Bacon. Ernst Bacon. Everybody, Everybody loves, loves Bacon. Well. <laughs> <laughs> or or even Britain. I mean, Britain is the same. And Stravinsky to a certain point love as well. I mean, you sort of a lot, a lot of times love or hate that stuff. Hey, so I had a thought that I wanted to get into today with the study. And um, Phoebe, you haven't been in on our discussions about what we're doing right now, but this is actually a conversation about where we're going to move forward after we're done. And I'm having this discussion now because, yes, and I'm going to bemoan the fact. I think I said I bemoan know. once earlier in this podcast. Every- 
We still don't have IRB approval. Well, and then, like, at this point, we have a little bit of pressure off that we can't really do anything. We couldn't start next week anyway. Because yeah, of next fall week break. we can't start anyway because it's our fall break on Monday and Tuesday, and we need a full week to do testing. Yeah, but I'm sure we'll be back bemoaning next Friday. <laughs> Please. I pray that that's not the case because if we don't start, I know. we're going to run out of finish. semester. Um, and that's Do you have not... to be a student to participate? No. No, okay. because we have some people that aren't... We, we have people that aren't students. No. Uh, our inclusion criteria is that you have to be actively studying voice. Oh. You have to have a year of voice lessons. And you can't have an academic standing of a freshman. Mm. And you have to be over 18. Okay, so after I graduate, I can still do it. If you'll have to do it in the spring. Well, or even if well, you're... our hope is that that's not going to be the yeah. case. Well, and I'm sure we could always just kind of rearrange scheduling so that, I mean, I don't know if you would want to have to go into maybe that first week of break, coming in and doing people's recordings that maybe are staying around town. First week of break, December. like like, like December Christmas, holiday. Yeah, like we get to December, and you know that first week, like we rearrange people that we know I are really, going to be included. I I mean, that would be a way to catch people. Who are in town. And hopefully finish. What I don't want to do is, I really don't want to do anything between Thanksgiving and juries. Oh. I could do that time. That's true. Oh, that's that true. is actually a good like, point. There are people yes, that, as that could one bother. of our other subjects uh, do that time. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So um, we want to do at least two. That's... I mean, so, I mean, th- there is some possibility of doing some of those data collections well, it later. It would just be so much easier if we could just have approval and just start and just. <sighs> yeah, it's a it's a source of frustration at this point. I've never had a study that is an expedited review take Not over five take over five weeks. It'll be six weeks on Tuesday. Are you gonna send this recording once it's all done and ready to whoever this is supposed to? Whoever. Hey, you should on? give a listen to this podcast. <laughs> aggressive. There you go. <laughs> that would be funny. Um, we might never get IRB approval again. Granted, that would be against the or ethics they would, code. You know, realize they need to get a move on. Maybe I doubt it. I doubt it. Anyway, well, <laughs> I mean, I, and I fully understand that, like a hospital's IRB is one, they're busy, and two, they're dealing with things like injecting radioactive dye into subjects and giving hmm. them federal drug trials and uh, for cancer drugs and and things of this nature yeah which pales in comparison to To what we're doing massaging your larynx correct yeah i'm sure they're thinking oh i'll just get to that oh i'll just get like you know i'll to get this done so they can get started and i'll just get to that can they keep saying that but i just kind of wish they'd be like let me just get that out of the way that would be great like we need to get in there change your thinking person yeah I don't know. I don't know who they are. You, you there. Anyway, so thinking ahead, so I had so so basically what we're doing, Phoebe, to catch you up with this, is, uh, and what I'm thinking towards is actually the measurement that we're taking. And what the measurement that we're taking is we're taking subglottal pressure and airflow, Mm -hmm. and out of those two measurements, um, just through some basic division making another measurement that is in the literature generally referred to as laryngeal airway resistance. And the reason we chose to use that measurement is that 
in patients with MTD, muscle tension dysphonia, when they've done studies with laryngeal manipulation therapy, there's been shown to be a reduction of laryngeal airway resistance. Which is why we're using this measurement. Because it's sort of based on the principle that, well, if this if this helped a disordered voice, perhaps as a, you know, uh, rather than as a reactionary thing and, and as a... Um, yeah, I can't Prevent- say that. Preventative? Not preventative. Proactive. That was um, the word I was trying to say. Um. Proactive measure for healthy voices... Uh, to prevent any kind of injury or developing muscle tension dysphonia or even just to better their singing, if we incorporated this, would we see this same sort of reduction uh, of laryngeal airway resistance after when we did the laryngeal manipulation or not? Um, and I was thinking about this, yeah. and, I, and I was thinking back to a conversation I had with one of the physical therapists at Vanderbilt and I'll tell you why I was thinking about this. In, in class, we've been going through our phonation unit. And in order to sort of, like, in invisible body, I often will take away the external muscles of the neck yeah. to get to the larynx. Yeah. And I've been thinking through a lot of that musculature. But one of the things that is sort of immediately extrinsic on the larynx itself is the thyrohyoid muscle. So we often refer to it as a strap muscle. It literally just, you know, on the sides, on each side, it's, it's just there between the thyroid and the hyoid. And it is a laryngeal elevator. Aren't they all? <laughs> Even though it's, you would think that the thyrohyoid would be pulling the hyoid bone down, but in that action, it actually tends to bring it, the whole thing up a little bit. All just conspiring against us. And, and 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 even further, what got me thinking to the thyrohyoid was the fact that at the end, you know, sort of we do two of these exercises to specifically manipulate that muscle. Yes, yes, we do. To try to release that muscle. But it got me to thinking about the thyrohyoid itself. Alright. And because we know that the manipulation there is certainly one of the areas that we are trying to target. That for for good reason. Yep. Because it is a laryngeal elevator, and in patients with muscle tension dysphonia, this may have been what I was thinking, my thought before, we definitely see an incredible constriction and overall general tightness of that muscle. Okay. Okay? And, and sometimes even that the thyroid and the hyoid are generally almost pulled together. Okay. And it got me thinking... That with a with a healthy voice, rather than looking at an at an aerodynamic measurement of subglottal pressure and airflow, like rather than looking at what is happening aerodynamically, I wonder what it would be like to actually try to get X-rays or I don't think MRI, I think X-ray would be enough but x-rays of before and after the manipulation and actually measure the thyrohyoid space. That's interesting. I don't, see, I don't know enough about, like, 
x-rays to know how much you're able to see like are you just seeing bones you're just seeing bones see i would be interested to see like i mean i don't know if there's a way to even measure muscle actual muscle tension or like do any sort of measurements with muscles but that would interest me to see is there any way of like seeing if there was any real release in the muscles in that area because one of the things i like about the different exercises we're going to do is that every person tends to carry tension in different areas. Michael really gets a lot of benefit, obviously, from just all the neck stuff. That doesn't do anything for me. I I like things that focus more on, like, my shoulders and that area. And so I like that, and I'm... I'm not... I don't know. I I wish there was a way to to look at just the whole... at the muscles more, maybe, than bone. I don't know. That got rambly. No, I there there is a way to do that to measure muscle activity, mm-hmm. but it's it's mostly surface stuff. Ah, and we're talking about a deeper. muscle that's deeper than because you have got so many muscles there, your platysma and and other things that are in the way. Yeah, I mean, your your SCM, your sternocleidomastoid is is if you go depending on what angle you're going at. Yeah. There are there are layers of musculature that are in the way before we actually really get to your larynx. I mean, th- that being said, I think we can, if you're plying around enough. I mean, because basic basic um, technique of myofascial release or or massage in general is to work externally and then work inward. Mm-hmm. That's a basic that's a basic technique. Like you don't try to go to deep muscle tissue immediately. So the potential to like, for example, when we're manipulating to access that muscle is there, I think. Okay. Um, measuring it is, is a little bit trickier. And, and, and the other word that it is, is expensive. See, and that's the sad thing. I mean, x-rays are expensive. Not in comparison to MRI. Well, that's true. I, that is 100% accurate. That would be interesting, though, because I guess if you do see a release in the, the larynx, thyroid, hyoid, all of that, you can assume that the muscles have obviously released because they're not pulling it all together. That that would be an interesting place to So you're talking place about to seeing look. a difference in the space between the two bones, basically. Well, a bone and a cartilage. Bone and a cartilage, yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, a, a, essentially, yes, because... That is a thing we look for in muscle tension dysphonia patients is a m- more accessible thyrohyoid area. You'll do that through uh, x-ray? No, they just do that through the therapist would just do that through touch. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So in other words, when they just, and again, we're not putting our hands on anybody. Nope. Don't touch me. Um, we're not. We're not touching anybody. But a therapist can, you know, a licensed therapist can do that, a speech therapist trained in this kind of stuff, or a physical therapist, and because they're licensed to do so, and and, and, and physical touch is often part, I mean, well, if we're talking about physical therapists who are doing, like, myofascial stuff, I mean, it's literally their job, but um, I, they usually notice as therapy goes on that they're, they are able to get their fingers, in other words, more between the thyroid and the hyoid than they were at first. Um, I don't know that we'll notice that difference among singers, because again, we're looking for, 
what effect does this have proactively on healthy voices? And so from that standpoint, maybe the aerodynamic stuff is the best thing for us to be looking at. I also think when we do move to a follow-up, at some point we need to see what is happening acoustically. That was fun. I know, because that's like our world. I, yeah, I like Are we not doing that at all? Not this, on this protocol. This is really all just aerodynamics. Okay. Not on this protocol, but as a follow-up, what... And again, the, the, to prove this is, is I think, the, the tough part. Um, and again, science doesn't really prove anything. It sort of disproves things. But what, what would be interesting to look at would be to have somebody record them singing at a couple of different pitches. Okay. And have Pratt, use Pratt, and have it extract for, extract formats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we can measure it in CSL, but you I mean we would, could use CSL to record it. But then sort of do a before and after with the same of I where guess. their formant zones were. Oh, that would be so yes, because I'm Because I, like I mean be, the question is if I sing a note and I just sing ah and I sing the same note again, ah if I then just like in the in the quick method of just formant identification, just vocal fry after that each of those to try to do that. The question is how consistent am I even just with my healthy vocal tract length and diameter? I mean, you know, in other words, so any change that they would make would change those formant averages. This would be interesting to see if, you know, sitting there and working kind of myofascial-esque techniques, I know we're not licensed we can't actually call it well, that. we're not touching anybody yeah either. we're not They're touching but them, touching themselves. them themselves would, would you see a, a lowering a raising a stabilization of their format locations just well i mean wouldn't know. that auto, sort of automatically come with just having sung already anyway well and that's a that's a question as well i know that's why we're, we're not doing now but but but, but actually often if you're practicing inefficiently, at the end of your practice, you feel like your uh, larynx is in between your eyeballs. That's true. And, and so your larynx is sitting high. And and we do have controls put in place to kind of account for that. What do you mean? Um, we have a day where you just won't do You will literally sing and then sing again. Okay. Yeah, you're just going to sit With nothing in, in between to kind of account for, well, what would happen if you did just sing and, sing again. and then just try okay. it again? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yay, control groups. Scientific method. So, I mean, that would be, that that would need some kind of control days or exercises to see what happens um, uh, as well. Like, if we just had them do it and just sat, if we just had them do it and vocalized, if we had them do it and just do the ritual manipulation. Similar to what we're doing now. But just looking at it from acoustics. Yeah, but in both of these situations, whether we're looking at it from an aerodynamics perspective, particularly if we would then follow it up with just acoustics, mm-hmm. if if our best result 
And I don't know what it's going to be. And I'm trying not to conjecture so that I keep my mind open yes. about the results. But if our best result day were to be the day we had them just do laryngeal manipulation and not make any singing. Okay. For both. Okay. There's the interesting sort of hypothesis then that is it maybe better to just do this to yourself rather than warming Warm up. up? On the flip side, ah. if we... Right, and see, that's yeah. where that's where a lot of yeah. singers would not like that, that no, idea. No, we wouldn't want... There are plenty results. of singers who would go, as your reaction just there... Ah. No, I have to warm up. I mean, if I don't warm up, I, I, I whatever. It would be a very unpopular result. But just as a, as a, you know, as a idea for yourself, have you tried it? I mean, like, have you actually gone into a room for 15 no. minutes and manipulated your larynx? Definitely not a rather than room. warming up, rather <laughs> rather than terms. doing any rigorous vocalizing or even any just non-rigorous vocalizing. Yeah. You know, and, and then there's obviously the, the further questions that we could add of, okay, well, what if we just add straw work? You know, mm, what I if we just that. do straw work and do laryngeal manipulation? I mean, because I do think that few singers would feel comfortable going not. into a performance having not blown any notes at all. Well, it's also because we've never even tried it, I feel like. Who's, who's done that? Who? Well, I very rarely warm up. Well, I, I do very minimal warming up myself. To be completely honest, if I do more than, like, well, I, I'd be lying if I said that, that, that most days I do more than maybe, like, three minutes. I mean, only. that being said, I don't like psychologically to go out having not sung at all. And then, like, I guess, well, like, a lot of my warming up is just working on technique. So. Or I'm also one of those people that I like to have, like, I'll, I'll find, like, about halfway through the semester a song that I feel like gets me in a really good place. That It's almost like yeah. my warm-up song. Well, and, yeah. and I think that's an important strategy, actually, because when I sang the Duke, to get through the Duke, I had to learn to treat my, to train myself to have Questo Quella be my warm-up. No. Because it's so much singing that if you did a lot of rigorous vocalizing through the night... That and I, and I'll be honest, I do the same thing with Rodolfo. I used to sort of use that first scene as a, um, as a warm up the, in a when sense. I when Rodolfo gets in the nature, like that needs to be that. Like I was like, okay, here's my vocalies now. Yeah, and it definitely brings a different approach to singing. Whatever you're looking at as a warm up, it's kind of nice sometimes, actually. I think there are harder roles to do that with. I mean, if we're talking about someone who's singing Radames and literally has to walk out and sing uh, Celeste Aida as the first thing you walk out on stage and do. Yeah, maybe you um, don't do it for that. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and I don't know that I ever quite did that successfully with um, Nemorino. Quanto e Bella is a tough warm-up. <laughs> I never quite felt like I did that very successfully with that role. Uh, whereas Tamino... I felt like that first scene was a perfect warm-up. I feel that and way so, Uh huh. And Because then I could be quiet for a little while, and I was laying there, and if I needed to do some humming or some sort of just, you know, low whatever, just to sort of feel like, okay, yeah, we're ready now. It's the same with Nobody, nobody ever knew because I was just laying there on a flattened floor. Pamina does. I mean, Pamina does the exact same thing. We come out, we sing a little bit with somebody kind of pulling, and then you just fall on the floor, you lay there for a little bit, you get up, you talk, you sing again. Meanwhile, the three ladies, their first note is an A. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you, just, you don't yeah. get lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. that's that's a, that's very true. 
Very, very true. Um, okay, but with the study. Yes. On the flip side of like, if we see really great results with the laryngeal manipulation, if we don't really see any result, change. any change, like honestly, we, we don't, it just doesn't seem to have any particular benefits. What then? You still learn something. You learn I mean, you've learned yeah, that it. That 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 data is still publishable. That that's one of the important things to remember is that yes. that data is still presentable and publishable, and that and that finding nothing in science is actually a great result. I'm sure it is because you don't. I mean, do you keep going for it, or are you just like, wow, we learned an interesting okay. thing here? So that 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 sort of is the the question you then have to deal with. Yeah. And and a totally valid one, and one that needs answering. The fact that we're not trying to get like a hundred subjects for this is because one of the reasons that you don't start that way with sort of a, a new research line is you don't know what you'll find. Yeah. And the reality is with, with something like what we're doing, we have to remember that we're dealing with human beings mm -hmm. and we're dealing with their musculature and their tissue. And so it's not all going to respond the same, and it's not. So we don't really know. There is the question, though, that I have because one of the things that the MFR folks talk about myofascial release is that they often talk about the fact that you need to manipulate a muscle probably for two minutes, and okay. none of our protocol is doing that. No, because we were looking to establish something that a singer could be given in a short 10-minute addition to their warm-up. And so we're only having them each do one minute of each different stretch or massage. Mm -hmm. So the question that actually could then be tested as a retest, as another yeah. possible follow-up, yeah. would be to have them do only like three or four yeah, like things, but have them do it for two or two and a half minutes. Do it longer. Okay. Do each one longer. So there are still options to go forward and Correct. And, and, and so that's one of the things that as we were designing this research line that was always in the back of my mind was, is this something that we can follow up yeah. with, 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 with either more subjects or with diff a different route in terms of the protocol that we're having them do, or a different measurement. And that's important to always be thinking about in your science because, because you don't know what you're going to get, and you don't want to have gotten invested in a literature of a subject, of a subset, yeah. you know, sub, sub, <laughs> Reddit terminology, subthread. Um, oh, okay. Sorry. No, I like Reddit. <laughs> that that might have been a dad moment. No, no. That, that, no, no, yes, Sarah, don't deny it. What Reddit's a thing? He just made do a I reference in the middle of his his little spiel. Oh, I do that a lot. Anyway, uh, so the the thing is, you you don't want to have spent all that time getting in and developing a research line that you can't follow it up. Yeah. Okay. That's um, smart. And I'll be honest. In my just just for full disclosure, so in my previous research on nasality, which I've sort of currently abandoned, I've abandoned it because I'm I'm uncertain of the devices that I've used, of the reliability of the devices, huh. and I've also abandoned it because I'm even uncertain there is a better device. But it's like $8,000. Wow. And I don't 
I, I don't have that kind of cash in, uh, in an equipment sure. request. I mean, we don't and, always have that one. And right? even the travel to be somewhere to set up a multi-site project and use somebody else's equipment, yeah. it's difficult It's because it's difficult to get subjects then. As, 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 as you've already learned quickly, yeah. subject recruitment can be difficult. Well, so you're saying that the multi-site, that, that made me think... Would we ever want to consider, like, I don't know, if you just, like, do, like, apply for a grant or something to get funding in order to do this study on a larger scale? Sure. And that is another follow-up that is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I've thought of a way to try to reduce the protocol to, like, a one-time thing. Interesting. So that maybe, like, we could talk to, like, our region NATS board and ask them if we could collect data at Nats? At Nats. How do you, you think do they you have to have the Performers Commission to do that? No, 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 I, no, I'm talking about like we would like have a table set up somewhere uh, 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 and people in a room stop by. and people could stop by at their willingness to participate. So that, so that in other words, let, let's say that like you weren't a semifinalist, you could come in on, sa- on Friday because we do a Thursday, Friday, Saturday region. You could come in on Friday, even if you were. Um, I would hate to do it on Saturday. Any data collection on Saturday because it's just the winners' concert or the finalists. Yeah, and and, 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 and well, yeah, everybody wants to be there. I think the hardest thing about that is just the the, the logistics of that are a little bit tricky. But that would be a way yeah. to get a larger pool. There's also the possibility, again, if it were sort of a one-off thing, okay. Um, of you know contacting other local universities that have voice programs yeah. and going but you don't want to have to be at each place for a week that's true you know what i'm saying you want to be able to be there for a day get data and and come back okay but the other thing is there also are irb considerations there you have to get irb approval for every site you're doing okay which would take another 3 months what if you went to just I mean, granted, this would require travel, but what if you just went to a bigger school, like collaborated with not even necessarily a local yes, school? Yes, that just... is actually something that I've already spoken with someone about. Okay, yeah. So that is, and, and that particular school has a larger singer population than, than ours does. Yeah. But again, and so I would only want to be there for a week, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. So we'd, I mean, granted, if you're going somewhere specifically to do that, we, we, we're trying to do it, you know, just an hour or two in the morning. We could possibly do it all day for a week. All day. Yes, day. but if it's going to be a repeat of this protocol, like mm-hmm. for one of the things we could do is expand this protocol. We could put an addendum in to IRB and actually just expand this protocol to do it in a different place, to have another collaborator, like who was a faculty member at that institution. Yes. And... And, uh, and, 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 and we could still get them in. I, I think though that, that with this, the way we've designed this, I think the one thing we still want to sort of guarantee is that they've not done rigorous singing before we would see them. If we're using the current protocol that we're doing. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. Good. We're, we're about out of time. Uh, we went really long today. Uh, this was a lovely discussion, ladies. Thank you yeah, so we much. We talked about so much. Uh, stuff. okay. First of all, we have two things to wrap up. What did Sarah have for breakfast? The biscuits that are biscuits 
not cookies. They're cookies. And they have cocoa almond butter. Cookies. They're not cookies. They are cookies. The box literally says If you include Phoebe you, and Michael and me and you, Jamie, they know we all what believe they speak. what no, is Jamie a biscuit in Great Britain. This is not a British cookie. It's How do you Nutrigain. Nutrigrain. You're trying to sound fancy. No. That's it's a what cookie. the box says. Right. It's on the breakfast. We side. forgot last oh. week. Just to catch everybody up, last week Sarah had Nutella toast. Yeah, it was delicious. And it was delicious. It was. Uh, I can no longer eat things of either of those natures, but um, yay, Sarah's breakfast. Okay, takeaways. So at the end of every episode, Phoebe, we do takeaways. Which is a moment for us to just sort of wrap up what we're taking away from today's talk. Any takeaways, ladies? Sure. I came up with one earlier. If you have something super easy to do that you're just putting off, just get it over with. Just do it. And then it's done. <laughs> that's what a, are you talking about? That's it's a great, really hard to tell. That's a great thing. Phoebe? I'm actually going to go probably try um, and just massage my neck and face a little bit and see what happens see today what happens, like this week and just seeing after that and see how does it or especially first thing in the morning and see how do, do i sound it? any different do i do it, am i cracking as much is, is it sound as normal as bad as it normally does in the morning we'll find out <laughs> it also could be a thing that it could be something that you know we have so many singers who are in metro areas yeah that they could do on a subway without having to vocalize and then once they arrive at an audition or a rehearsal yeah. they could vocalize for a short amount of time or shorter yeah. amount of time or just because anytime. if it's something that could reduce warm-up time that would be an excellent thing for the singing population as well. That would. Or even just like, you know, you you go to audition somewhere, you're in a hotel. You don't really want to, to be that sing person. Sing a whole bunch of loud high notes. That, that warms up in yeah. their hotel room. You could yeah. do this. Um, uh, so my takeaway from today, just as a, a warning for everybody, that's just good responsibility. Always be cognizant of things you post on social media. Oh, <laughs> And we're not going to reference anything, no, no. but just as a, as a wisdom for all of us, Sometimes. beauty may fade, but the internet is forever. forever. And you never know what someone could screenshot oh, yeah. or, or different things. And it's always just best to, to, and this is just a good lesson for all of us, just be considering what we are posting on social media in general. And, 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 and then, you know, certainly, and, and I think here's a great rule, mm-hmm. not be posting anything about someone else that could potentially damage any, uh, either party or any other party for that matter. Also, that picture you took on MySpace when you were 12, still there. That's also probably true. Maybe go check your MySpace. Okay, I guess that's our our takeaway for today. Go check your MySpace, everybody. Uh, And we are at MC Vocal Fry with an I. Come check us out. Peace. Yay. Bye.